Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. All right. Awesome. Let me open in prayer, and then we can uh, get to our study here in Matthew. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another uh, wonderful Shabbat, a day of rest that you've asked us to enter, and we thank you so much for that, Father. We thank you for your commandments and your guidance and your spirit. We thank you for the redemption that we have in your son, Yahshua, who's bringing us back to you. And Father, today we lift up to you, our brothers and sisters who um, have been gunned down, Father, just frankly have been gunned down. And Father, we ask a prayer over them and their family and the situation that's there, Father. And Father, we thank you that you are still in control. And Father, we ask that you will speak to them and their family and let them know that even us, we are lifting them up in their prayers, Father. And may their blood be, be revenged by you, Father. We thank you. Amen. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. And I guess you, like I had just was praying about, you've probably heard what happened in Pittsburgh. And I do mean that we need to stand behind our brothers and our sisters because ultimately there might be differences in some views, but especially us, the Messianic community, what do we hold? Our Father and His commandments. So they are our brothers and sisters. So please uh, keep that in your prayers always. So we... Well, it, it crashed, Ward. I don't see it up there. Wait, let me try it again. Okay. The share. Uh, my client or the mini Mac? Mac mini. Sorry, we lost connection there. We're back. All right, guys. So, as you know, we're in the book of Matthew, chapter 23. Um, I will take the, the first half or so here, and we'll look at some uh, for some talking points, and I'll get some comments uh, from you guys as well. Um, that being said, remember, just raise your hand. The mic will find its way to you, and I'm asking... Um, uh, if you could make your, your comments and your points uh, on what we're discussing, okay? Uh, and try to be brief as, as you can in case we do have a lot of people that have things that they would like to mention. So, and a special thing, it's interesting. We're gonna, we started the book of Matthew July 18th, 2016. Do you realize that? That's when we started this book of Matthew, okay? 
So that's, I, I, I was looking at, that's like 27 months, and it's two point and a quarter years. And I think that's awesome, you know? So it'll take us maybe, maybe two and a half years to get through the book of Matthew. But in the meantime, I think we've learned a lot. We are really going along. And then the other thing, remember, it wasn't just about Matthew. Because we looked at Matthew and we got uh, snippets from the other, um, the other gospels as well. So we, in some ways, we're covering a lot of information. And I, I think that's good. It's a good thing. We were able to go through it slowly and really look at some of these issues. I'm excited because the next book that I want to look into is the book of John. That's always been one of my favorites, and it's unique compared to the other three. Um, so maybe we'll finish Matthew and start John January of 19, in 2019. So I look forward to that, and I think we'll, we'll be able to do that as well. So... We are in the ending chapters of the book of Matthew. This is the Passover season. The, the Gospels, you know, all the Gospels send, uh, tend to end with the revelation of Yeshua. And that comes along with that is this feast of Passover. Okay? So I think that's very important to, to note. Because this is a memorialization that has been given to us to do. Uh, maybe I'll say it this, uh, this way. It's these feasts are a commandment from our Father to uphold and guard in our lives. So what we have is Yeshua, okay, in the book, in the Gospels, his life is like parallel to that. He ends up being the Lamb of God. So in some ways, if we view it this way, the witnesses the feasts, okay, that have been given to us to guard, help us and give us great insight to our Messiah. And I, I, I believe us as Messianics can say that we see a deeperness to our Messiah versus maybe some of the mainstream um, Christian churches. And I'm not saying that as a put down, I'm just saying because we go back and we see this witness and we see these feasts, we see deeper meaning in who Messiah is, and a, maybe a stronger calling to come to obey him in the commandments as well. So, so if that is the case, or if you do agree that the, the, the feasts are a witness, okay, if we don't guard the rest of the feast, or if you don't think the feasts are important to guard, I would say that maybe you're throwing away a lot of the witnesses, witness, to our God's words, okay, that he's already spoken, always, already gave us something to live out and walk, and if we throw that away, we're, he's not going to repeat himself. He already has. Um, Paul. Yeah, I mean, the scripture where Yeshua says that the law and the prophets all point to him, that's a hard one to take, especially if you're only looking at the New Testament and you, yes. then you look back and you say, well, wait a minute, how can I derive, if I just hold off and not look at the New Testament and only look at the law and prophets, can I see Yeshua in them? Are they really pointing to him? So you're, you're right. I think the deeper meaning of what it is, because in the first century, that's what they had to go by. They didn't have a New Testament. They had the law and the prophets and they could see Yeshua in that. Yes, thank you, Paul. So it is important. Uh, we, 
um, anytime we throw away, say that we do not need that or we're throwing away uh, things like that, think of it that way. You're throwing away our God's very words that he witnessed to you so you can understand him, grow closer to him, and have a relationship with him. Okay? So I think those things are important. Because um, we easily see the lamb in the foreshadowing of Yeshua, and we see that in the Passover and the Exodus. So what more? Is there, is there even more in these other feasts? But if they're done, done away with and gone no longer, or you have no need for them, then, then I guess I ask, I'll let you sort that in, out in your own mind, um, whoever may be listening. So last week, we looked at the, the seed of Moses. And we um, and and now and now now we see the Messiah. Uh, uh, he's going to be speaking again on certain things, okay? But he established this idea of the seed of Moses, and we saw that there was a difference there um, in what what he initially began speaking, and then he starts um, starts on with his conversation. So, and we looked and we saw that Messiah is not speaking against the laws given at Mount Sinai, okay? So if we could sum up the seed of Moses being that those are the laws and the commands from Mount Sinai, Messiah by no means, those who are sitting in that seat are not throwing away those commandments. So we can't view it that way. And if we do, we'll start to run into some, a lot of issues, okay? Uh, as well. So, so he's not speaking against the laws at Mount Sinai, which, after all, think about it, it's the Father's way of righteousness, a way of life, okay? But he is showing that, that what I believe that we're going to see, that man uh, can easily use uh, right judgment or misuse right judgment in a wrong way or know those commandments and not walk them out correctly, which goes for every one of us, okay? So maybe as I go along, it will kind of make a little bit more sense. And Yeshua spoke to the crowds and his taught ones, saying, the scribes, Pharisees, sit in the seat of Moses. Whatever they say, in, um, say to you, you guard and guard and do, okay? So if that's talking about the Torah of Moses... All right, Messiah, I see, oh, this makes sense. So, those who, because we went over, those who sat in the seat of Moses are the judges. We looked at several verses in the Old Testament and get the whole background idea about this, okay? So, and I, I think I did promise you guys last week, if there were some comments from last week we didn't get to, coming up will be a perfect time for you uh, if there were some other insights that you would like to share with us. So we, and we looked at how the, the city gates played a part in the, the progression of this idea, okay? Because the city gates were those, were the elders, and those judges would be in the, the gates of the city and, and, and would view, um, uh, would give out judgments or hand down judgments on uh, certain things, certain legal things, Okay? The seed of Moses was 
I believe in a lot of ways an um, idiomatic expression. So it boils down to being a position held by elders and the priests, okay? Uh, whether the physical chair actually existed, in some ways, that really doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter if there was a physical chair or anything there. And there very well could be a particular chair someone sat on to give judgments or whatever, but it shouldn't be all wrapped up into this physical thing, okay? Because we'll get to another part that I want to point out. It's all about function, okay, uh, in the Hebrew mindset, and I think that's very important. So it being an idiomatic expression, um, whether it was a physical chair or not, it really doesn't matter, but we're going to learn how we can apply uh, the ideas that, that would come from that position in those things that might be handed down or be ruled over, okay? Um, they, like I said, they would make judgments on matters that came before them. Now, at the time of Yeshua, it was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They made up the Sanhedrin, which I guess, for lack of better words, you could call it the religious court, okay? So... So that's why I think the um, Messiah says to his followers or to all that was listening at that time, observe and do whatever the Pharisees command you to do them. Um, because if they were in the seat of Moses, okay? To me, I think there's a big difference as we'll get going here is a difference between the seat of Moses and then the traditions of man, Okay? And I think we need to separate that. At least that's, for me, looking at the text makes sense to me as we're going. Or if not, we're going to look like Messiah says, on one hand, he's, in some sense, maybe we'll see, and, and you probably already know, oh, he's, he condemned them, the Pharisees, for doing something, and then he turns around, obey everything that they do. Okay? So we, we have to uh, look at that and look like, okay, really what's going on here? Or if not, it looks like, Messiah is saying one thing, and then Messiah is being hypocritical, maybe, in some sense. And we know that's not true. Okay? So, um, talked about the sand tree. So, whatever they would say from that seat of that position of judgment, uh, we should do. And that, that shouldn't be any different in our society. You know, I think I pointed out the idea of a... a if you know a particular judge doesn't live a particular way, but yet he's in a position, he's limited to what he can gauge out. The law says this, the law says this. Well, you might think the judge is a creep because he lives next door, but it doesn't change the law, okay, that he's upholding, okay? Maybe that's a poor example, but, you know, you can come up with your own better than mine, okay? So I believe it is to be understood and meant that they were trying cases according to the Torah. The scribes and the Pharisees were the judges and were required to judge cases according to what the Torah said, how that the word of God was laid down. I believe there is a separation here between the traditions and, and what is written. I think that's a huge thing. Traditions and what is written. And... From what I've gathered looking in Scripture, when it says it has been written, when we hear Messiah say that, he's referring to what has been written down, the Torah that has been written down, handed down to us, okay? He's not speaking of anything else or any other type of uh, thing 
that man has come up with. Okay, so I think that's important. However, they decided the judgment, it was to be handed down, it was handed down and it was to be obeyed, just like we have laws here. So Messiah, I think, is to me showing us the difference between that. And some of the research I've been doing for myself that I'm going and looking at, it seems to point to that. Okay? So listening uh, to the judges and these rulings of disputes between parties is one thing, okay? And their personal works of those who sit in that position of Moses or in that seat of Moses is something else, okay? And that's what I think that we'll look at right here. Yeshua is switching his focus to, the, uh, to personal actions, okay? And I think it's quite clear, their works, not uh, disregarding the Father's judgments for righteous living, okay? So do not do according to their works, okay? For they do not do, okay? Now, that could be a lot of things, and we'll look at, uh, and I'll give up some other examples, okay? Then it goes on, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and lay, on them men's, lay them on men's shoulders, but with their fingers they do not wish to move them. Okay? They do not move their traditions. Possibly. That's what it's talking about. But I'm going to go another route. It, about these heavy, burdensome things that the Pharisees are doing. Heavy burdens, hard to bear... Is that what our Father says about His covenant and His commandments, His Torah? Is that what He says about His requirements for living a righteous life, that they are burdensome, heavy? Okay. His laws of right and wrong? I don't believe so, and I want to show you why it, this comment cannot be talking about the Torah. Uh, Joe. Yeah, well, along with what you're talking about, the heavy burdens, uh, they were all the rituals that uh, the Pharisees and the scribes were putting on mankind. And uh, it talks about uh, further on in verse 13, where God, where Yeshua says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. And that word woe, it means really bad news for you guys. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven before the sons of men. For you are not entering yourself, but those who would enter, you do not allow to enter. It's for the, uh, the, because of all these uh, heavy burdens. Uh, it was a kind of a restriction what they were putting on there to entering into the place of worship. Yes, and some yes, I I see what you're talking about there, Joe. And we're actually going to look at those verses too. So thank you, Joe. So with this idea of these heavy burdens, and they cannot be the commandments of our Father. They cannot be the covenant that He's cut or gave. All right. So I want to demonstrate a little bit about that. And, you know, because I believe we have to, to give a good foundation. So as we go forward, these burdensome things, 
as we're going through, we, somewhere along the line, we can't kind of flip it in it, meaning the Old Testament or the commandments from Mount Sinai, okay? So instead of believing what I'm saying, I'm going to show you how I proved this out, okay? Deuteronomy 30.10, okay? I'll just start here a little bit. If you obey the voice of Yahweh, your Elohim, to guard his commands and his laws, which are written in this book of the Torah, there's that idea that it has been written, okay? If you turn back to Yahweh, your Elohim, with all your heart and with all your being, is Elohim the source of the heavy things that no one can uphold? Is that what you're getting this sense from reading this? He's, you know, he's telling you these things that are going to be very hard. So that, that's why I don't believe it can be about the Torah or his commandments. For the words, for the, the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart to do it. So I know it doesn't really say much here, but let's just think reasonable. Okay? The father's saying, you know, you don't have to go here. You don't have to. It's really near you for you to do this. So that doesn't seem like that's a real heavy statement for someone to obey. Or that what he just got done describing or handing down were outrageous. Because we don't see this where the people, oh, we cannot do this. Oh, we don't see any of these kind of comments. Okay. Oh, you're so terrible, God. Take us back to Egypt. They were never complaining about going back to Egypt because of the commandments were so burdensome. You know? <laughs> it was always about other personal little things. I think they quite looked at these commandments and was like, okay, I think these are very reasonable, but why are we in the desert? I want something to eat. I'm hungry. Mama, mama, mama. Right? Never about your commandments are so burdensome. We don't see that. And I got to be honest with you. I think... The one thing about the Hebrew text itself, it's very honest, because if you look at the text, it does, not, it does not skirt around any of the major mental issues or problems that anyone has, okay? It lays it out there flat, all the good and the bad. It doesn't nitpick anybody. Paul. Right there where you're reading in Deuteronomy 30, in verse 11, it says, For this commandment which I command you today is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of reach. So just three verses, it tells you that it's not too, too difficult. difficult. Thank you. I forgot to put that in my notes as you're talking. So it, you can see even the text says, or the father's saying, so, okay, you have a choice. Either the father is lying or he's telling the truth. Okay, you do still have that choice, but he's proclaiming that they, it's near you to do. It's, it's not too hard to do these things. Sister. First of all, my opinion on this is that Yah doesn't lay anything on us that we cannot handle. And he's of love and mercy. He won't, like, put burden on us. And if we're following the commandments, there's no way in the world that that could be a burden because... It's in our heart, and it's very near you, as that mentions, and it consumes your whole being where it can possibly not be a burden. It should be happiness and love and mm -hmm. accepting of God's commandments. Thank you, sister. 
And I know, Mike, I'm probably going to repeat myself a lot about this type of issue, but I think it's very, we have to set a precedent here, okay, that whatever's going to start be happening or that we see Messiah's talking about, he's not speaking against his father's words or his father's commandments, okay? So you, then you, uh, that being said, then you've got to really think, uh, uh, think about this. Is the reality that God made these laws and the commandments burdensome, so burdensome, we could not do them. Then he turns around and has his son come, okay? Turns around, has his son I'm sorry, I lost my spot. And has his son come and proclaim that his father's words are wrong. Do we see any inclination that Yeshua, Jesus Christ, ever said, my dad's been wrong, he's been off base? No. If anything, we've seen just the opposite. Jerry. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm back a little bit, but I... That's all right. I remembered this, and I went and found it. Deuteronomy 30, 11 says, Now what I am commanding... This is God speaking. What I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. There it is. So it's something that he had said. Thank you, Jerry. So we either got to take his word for it, that the Father said that, and the Messiah comes and says something completely different. But we do see that Messiah is in union with his father and say, if you love me, obey my commandments. He's teaching, going back to there. So, so in some ways, Yeshua is upholding everything that has been written before. So these are not too difficult. So as we're looking here, um, they, for they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but their finger, they do not wish to move them. That cannot be talking about the commandments from Mount Sinai. It has to be, be speaking about something else, okay? And Yeshua can't be you know, saying these words are so burdensome because in those very words is his love. And I don't think that that could be the case. Yes, Joe. Isn't the word up there from Deuteronomy 30:14 for the word? Could that be translated the Torah? Um, no, I think it's devar, something that you actually um, a work of some sort. The word can be understood in that sense, you know, an action, you know. For these things, even if you want to look at it, are not too far from you. This word, this commandment, or what I've told you, is not very far from you. It's not difficult for you to do. And even if you want these ten words, if you want to look at it that way, these ten commandments that I've given you, they're not too difficult for you to do, including the Shabbat. Yes. Yeah, <clears throat> devar means word and things. Like Brad Scott said, words means things. It's a pun. That's a good, it, good it, way. It's they go together. It's uh, if you have a if you have a 
uh, a court case, you're dealing with the res, the thing. What is the thing? It's described by the words, and so they go together. All right. Thank you, John. So, no, it's near us to obey and to enter the grace the Father has set down from the beginning. This is what John says. We'll go to the book of John real quick. Or 1 John. 1 John 5. Now, this is after, okay? This is after Messiah has died, resurrected, and this is John speaking to the assembly, okay? Everyone who believes that Yeshua is the Messiah has been born of Elohim, and everyone who loves uh, loves the one bringing, uh, bringing forth also loves the one having been born of him. But this we know that we love the children of Elohim when we love Elohim and guard what? His commandments. For this is the love of Elohim that we guard his commandments. And his commandments again are not what? They're not too heavy. Because everyone having been born of Elohim overcomes the world, and this is the overcoming that he has overcome the world, our belief or our trust. Who is, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Yeshua is the son of Elohim? And it's so interesting because if you believe that he is the son of Elohim, it kind of begins back up to the top. Everyone who believes Yeshua has been born again and the commandments are there. So it's, uh, it kind of answers itself and does a secular uh, reasoning here. So... Since I've taken you down this little bit of a rabbit trail, okay? You want to know if you're born again or not? This is how you love and guard Elohim's commandments given at Mount Sinai. That's what the author John is talking about. And he is in sync with all the other authors all the way back to Genesis. Born again, overcoming belief, the Torah, all are in Yahshua Messiah. So if you take Yahshua, you take Jesus Christ, all this comes with that. You can't just take Jesus and Yahshua and start dividing him up. He's a God, he's one. You can't do that. And when you do that, then I believe you're going to have some odd theologies that we all have dealt with. Yeshua is not speaking against the Torah here in Matthew. The lifestyle of righteousness handed down from the mountain. So let's see what he is speaking to us. What he is going to be speaking to us as he's correcting somebody else. Okay? I'm trying to change this because I know we've all heard about the Pharisees and Sadducees, okay, and so many things, but I've been looking at that, and I did a lot of research, uh, the best of the research I could possibly do to find out more about these, uh, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And yes, I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I saw some faults. But you know, the one thing I did see in uh, other things, they did have a love for the Father, and they did have a zeal to do the commandments. They really did. 
So we can't just, just group them together and throw them over here. So in this, I believe this now, as we go, when we go back to Matthew, it's going to be directed to us in the sense that we're going to watch Yeshua correct somebody maybe that's standing right next to us. You ever be in a crowd of people or maybe with your siblings and, you know, the dad gathers the family, all the kids together or school. Okay, somebody did something wrong, right? All right? So the, you guys are all standing there and it's like, okay, oh, he's talking. He picks out this, the person right next to you, right? And says, you blah, 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 you did this wrong. You should be doing this and right. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing some of those things too. I'm glad he didn't point at me, right? So let's all be part of this whole group that Messiah is pointing out certain things and remember that we're part of the whole group as a whole. And he just didn't happen to be pointing at us at that particular time, all right? Because I'm sure all of us are struggling with all kinds of things that we need to overcome. And it's not going to help if it's so easy just to sit and point at someone else. Because remember, are we not in a personal relationship? So that means Yeshua is talking to us and not just that person over there when it comes to particular things, right? And it's so easy to do that, okay? So that's kind of what I want to do here as, uh, as we look at here. Uh, Kathy, I'll let you say something and then I'll continue on here. Just before we get too far along about when we were talking about um, Yah's commandments being too hard or him being yeah and him putting heavy burden on us there's some truth in that because anyone who's not obeying his commandments like this is kind of summing up a little bit then it is very hard for them because they don't want to change their lifestyle they don't want to change their enjoyments and so to them it's very hard but for us believers it's not so hard if we walk out his commandments and try to show light to other people but to others who don't believe then it's it is heavy burden because they're not with the light they don't accept y'all and they they might accept them but they continue to do what they want instead of obeying his commandments mm -hmm. no i i understand where you're coming from and and to some extent i do agree with you okay but i can't go the full distance only because Ultimately, these things, are they really too hard? Okay, even if you, you grew up different and you thought stealing was okay, okay? Is it really hard and burdensome for you not to steal no longer and to do something different? You see what I'm saying? So is that, there might be a mental change in life or whatever. I don't think that, that I, but I understand what you're talking about, sister. And all of us, yes, there's been things that we would say hard, but... In reality, were they? They may be difficult for us to change some of our lifestyles, but are they burdensome every day that I got to love my neighbor? Oh my gosh, I hate loving. I hate not being a thief. I hate this. Oh, it's so burdensome. You see what I'm, where I'm going with that? Is, is that really burdensome? And that's where I think that we need to focus in, on that part of it. But no, I, I do understand. Yes, there's, we've all have difficulties. 
you know, whether it's quit smoking or, or any of these other things, changing our lifestyle toward him. But after we do those, it really shouldn't be a burdensome to walk this out, you know. You know, so uh, that's what I would comment on that, Kathy. And uh, Joe? Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, verse 1 of uh, chapter 5. And uh, I read this a million times through my life, but I, it uh, says, Whoever believes that Yeshua is the Messiah is born of Elohim, and who loves the begetter loves him also that is begotten of him. Well, you, you, if you have to love God just as much as you love, because uh, he is uh, the begetter, because... Uh, God gave us Yeshua. He is the be, the beginner. You know, can you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's a whole package. You can't just have Messiah and not the Father, right? If you want one, you're going to have the other. It doesn't matter which one you choose. You're going to end up, you have to have both. Because both are there. Thank you. So the placing of heavy things on man, what does that mean? Okay. Uh, what the scribes and Pharisees placed burdensome rules on people, which they themselves were unwilling uh, to obey? Does that mean that they, that's what they were doing? And, un, you know, setting out things to place on people, but they're unwilling to do them themselves? Possible. Because I want to look at some of these. And because this is going to be important when we, as we go to through the rest of Matthew um, on his corrections with people. So, or is it that um, these heavy burdensome things, how he's saying they would not lift their finger, was it because they wouldn't lift to help somebody? You know? laying down, uh, let's say, traditions or whatever, and they saw how maybe some of these traditions, maybe not to them, but were burdensome and gave no grace or mercy to anybody. We kind of saw that with the Messiah because they were, you know, especially with, like with the Shabbat, you know. He went and healed on the Shabbat, and they're like, whoa, how could you do that? You know what I mean? All of a sudden, instead of like, oh my God, someone got healed today. But it was more concerned, oh, you've stepped on our authority here. You've stepped on some of our teachings. Okay? Possibly. So we're going to look at some of these things. Or is it... Here's another avenue. Or is it they increase the number of ways that man can be in sin or missing the mark with their God? I don't know. Did they come up other ways? They're like looking at things and it's like, okay, well, if you do this, it's like sinning. Okay? So we invent more rules that maybe are not there. I don't know. I don't have the complete answer to all these. But I don't think we need them because I think we can actually look at them and then look at ourselves 
and start to see maybe we are we doing some of these things because we want to walk after the most high and like i said before you got to remember the pharisees and the sadducees they were human beings who loved god just like you and i i think some of the things like you're talking about is i've always looked at it like legislating righteousness mm -hmm. you know and if you don't have the heart to do it, you're not going to do it. And it doesn't matter how much you legislate it, you know, people are going to rebel. Yeah. And I think in the case of these, uh, the leaders, I was reading one, where, one time where it kind of started back with Nehemiah, where he closed the gates of the city because people were coming in on the Shabbat and continued, you know, doing business. And so, can't really say what he did was a bad thing because he didn't want people doing that but yet at the same time he's passing down legislation saying you know you can't do it because the people they obviously didn't have a heart to observe the sabbath so that's kind of an interesting point that should be added into this how does how do you get someone to love you how do you get someone to obey you you, you know what I'm saying? You do need rules, because we can't throw away laws and rules, right? Because we know that doesn't work. But I think, actually, Mike, what you just hit upon is what the Father's trying to do with all of us. And that is just want to love Him, want to obey. Because you see these things. Like, you know, closing the gates. Yeah, you might need some deterrence here and there or whatever. But at the end of the day, you can't make people want, you know what? You can leave those gates open and I love my God and I'm just not going to do business today. Completely two different things, you know? John. What you said earlier about forcing God, what did you say? Something like that? You can't force, how do you, how do you make people love you? How do you make it, people it obey? And, that, and that's, it, it how, reminds, does, how does our, our God do that? It reminds me of the Woody Allen movie. I think it was Bananas. <laughs> when their parents were on, on being interviewed and said, well, we tried to beat God into them. And <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yes. Yeah. So you, so I think there's a lot of these things like this. Okay. Or is it because they increased in numbers of ways that, um, that can be sin of missing the mark with our Elohim, our God, and did little to help a person with, uh, with their life by showing love and mercy? To me, I think that's where we need to go. Because coming up in Matthew 23, later on in this, uh, in this it says, uh, is an example. Okay, so I'm going to kind of jump ahead, but we're going to need this for next week. Okay. It says, they tithe mint and dill and cumin. Yeshua commends them, okay, on doing this. He said, that's great. These things you should have done, but rebukes them for failing the essence of the Torah. And what's the essence? To keep the weightier matters, that's the terminology here. All of a sudden, we're back to this heavy, light, Heavy weight, weight, okay? The heavy matters of the law or the Torah or these commandments. It's justice. 
mercy and faithfulness. Okay? So, you see what I'm saying? What's happening here? Messiah is saying, oh yeah, you guys are doing good. Maybe he's even saying some of these traditions are really clever and I think they're doing all right. But you're missing some of these real weightier things that actually are way more important. And do those too, by the way. Okay? And you'll notice that. Messiah doesn't just, just do the weighty things and throw away the small. He says, no. you. So again, can we do all things that our Father has asked us to do? And I would say yes. You know? I believe we can. Yes, Joe? Okay. Uh, we're talking about... Uh... I don't think, and uh, I could be wrong, that you can force anybody to love you. Mm -mm. It, it, just, it doesn't work that way. But the scripture does say... What about 200 bucks? Will you love me for 200 No. Okay. No. Just check him. No. Because love is a free will type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can will to love or not to love. But I think there's a scripture uh, somewhere in the Hebrew scriptures that the goodness of God leads us to repentance and to loving. It's God's goodness that leads us to loving, not we of ourselves. Yes. Very good. Thank you, Joe. So another thing, was their, uh, their teachings doing more harm than good? Yes. Well, I have a, <clears throat> a confession to make, which probably isn't necessary, but there was a time, one time, when I was just in an ornery, arrogant mood, and I didn't pay attention to, to the Lord, which, which was strong on my heart. I don't know what happened. I took, I, took, I think it was some kind of... Uh, some some kind of uh, vitamins, and I got the large size, and I took the barcode off the small size. I went out and showed it on the screen to get by. I made it to the car, and I kept dropping my keys. Kept dropping my keys, and I said, I know what's wrong. You gotta go back and make this right. This is stupid. Downright arrogant stupid. Mm -hmm. And the only way to make it right partially before I get home is go back in the store and change it and then just sit in the car and pray. Yeah. Thank you. So, so was their teachings doing more harm than good? And should we be on guard as well for that for us today? And I'd say yes. I always, even as I'm going through there, uh, through these studies, am I doing, I want to make sure that I'm bringing forth things that are right and correct, at least to the best of my ability where I'm coming from, you know? Um, and at the same time, you don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be burdensome uh, and laying things on people. Maybe at particular times, they don't need that commandment. They need another guidance on another commandment first, Okay. So there, I think, think there's a lot to play. So I believe the Pharisees, as in some of my studies looking, the Pharisees were sometimes guilty of hypocrisy, as we see Messiah agrees, and making the law a crushing, unbearable burden. So you can make these commandments unbearable, okay? Um, 
So let's learn from uh, this on how we can walk out these commandments and, and not do this to others as well as we're growing, okay? And that's a tendency that I see here with the Messianics, okay? So I'm part of this brotherhood so I can speak out against it, okay? And sometimes these commandments, as we're learning things, we want to impose those on others when they're not at that point that they're, that's, it's being revealed to them and changed in their lives. But if we, change, if we just walked after Messiah in those same things, we find those things will happen. Um, one of the things is, uh, uh, I use this because it's an easy an example, is the zitziot, you know, that we wear, okay? Living Messiah, we'll, and, we'll, and that's probably won't get to it today because i got to close real quick, but we won't, but that zitziot's a commandment, something important, and we're going to proclaim that from up here, okay? And I wear them. But I'm not gonna. I'm gonna, only going to show you that's what the text says. But I'm not going to force that on any of you to do. But what Mark and I have found by just taking that stance and operating that way, we have people wearing them that we, because on their very own they want to do them. We don't force people to do this. You like something you can't. Like John just said, you can't beat God into somebody. Okay, all you can do is walk after them. Uh, Polly. I want to go back to the comment you made on the criticism that the master had for healing someone on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so I was amazed to find out, now this may not have been the standard protocol, and a little bit of my comment is reading in between the lines, but I was amazed to find out that at this time, uh, in order, if you wanted uh, to call maybe the rabbi for prayer, there was a payment involved to come and lay hands or pray or do your part in bringing healing to someone that was in need of healing. There was payment exchanged for their services. So I looked back at that comment thinking, I wonder if the criticism was not so much the healing on Shabbat, but what was in their mind that went along with that, that you are doing a service for someone in exchange for money on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. I think that maybe what the master was saying to this individual or by doing this is that the motivation for what I do is based on love and I don't expect anything in return for that. And I think what you're saying is correct, that what is our motivation for doing the things that we do because we're obligated or we feel like we have to do it, or because truly we either do love the Father and he is directing us to do these things, or it is out of love for our neighbor, and that is the motivating factor. There's no other uh, monetary involvement. There's no other gift exchange the bottom line is we do what we do because of love that is the motivating factor it is thank you sister so i gotta close here but let me leave you with this real quickly so maybe their uh right motives betrayed them and that can happen to our right motives as well 
Their zeal for the obedience to the Torah became self-serving. Sounds like what Polly just pointed out. And the Torah wasn't the fault. The commandments aren't the problem. It's us. Okay? We can be guilty of some things, and we, we can be guilty of some things, and I believe some of the same things maybe they do, and probably some other things that they didn't have to deal with because they did obey the commandments, all right? And they didn't have to have some struggles that you and I have today, okay? So uh, the woes are coming up next, okay? And let us learn not to ne neglect the weighty matters of the Torah, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, and still guard all those small matters as well. My time is up, and we'll get right back into this next week. And next week, I will begin this way. What I'm talking about is Messiah is saying the same thing here. Okay? Take this whole idea with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in mind, right? We all know this one, right? And why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, who is a Pharisee or a Sadducee, but do not notice the plank in your own eye, you Messianic believer, New Testament person. Okay? Or how is it that you say to your brother, the Pharisee, the Sadducee, those scribes, the Old Testament people, you know, to your, let me remove that splinter out of your eye, you follower of Judaism, okay? And see the, you don't see the own plank in your own eye of rejecting the Torah and the commandments of the Most High and eating pork, okay? So that's one way to look at Messiah's words today. And we're going to begin that next week as we go through when he says, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. So maybe it should be, woe to us, is there something that we need to change, okay? Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks for all that you have done to, for us, Father. And Father, we look forward to your your love and your discipline and your faithfulness to us, and we thank you. Help us to be empowered by your spirit and to grow closer to you, to one another, and accomplish all these things that you have before us. We thank you again, Yahuwah. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. So next week, we, uh, and those online will be back um, in about 20 minutes, but next week we're going to pick up right back here at the woes here in uh, Matthew. Okay, so keep those in mind. And we'll see, what, see if we can get some bad fruit out of our trees. How about that? Something like that effect, okay? Thank you again for your time.